Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Welcome to the Church of Roy, an armchair all-American podcast. Warning, today's show may include adult language. Now here are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve DeWalt. Welcome everybody back to the Church of Roy podcast. I'm your host, Steve DeWalt, Associate Editor at Blazer's Edge. We are still reeling from a, a quite an impressive performance from Neil O'Shea in a press conference. The, the Blazers are firmly out of the playoffs by now. We're, that's starting to settle. Uh, we got a long off season in front of us. We got a lot to tackle today, so let's get right into it. I am joined, as always, by our co-host Brian Wilcox. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm not answering that. <laughs> oh, so, sorry. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing really well. Man. You got How's it you going? got all Shea brain. I am not Aaron Fentress. I am Steve Dewald. And Sorry, just got, to bring in uh, an extra set of eyes for this, I'm sure everybody's a little tired of hearing me and Brian rant and rave every week. We're bringing the man from down under, Adrian Bernisich from Australia, also a contributor at Blazers Edge, a good friend of mine. Adrian, how are you doing today? Are you ready to talk some, some Neil O'Shea and some Blazers offseason? Well, let's just get to the let's just get to the point that everyone wants to talk about here, right? We want to talk about Neil O'Shea uh, and that that amazing performance on uh, on Monday your yeah. time. But uh, thanks for having me on. Um, pleasure to be joined to join you guys and I uh, really enjoy the show. I, we appreciate that. I, I actually kind of want to put you on the spot. So it's been a week and Terry Stotts, decade long coach of the Blazers, obviously you're a Blazers fan. Terry Stotts is removed from his position. And then today your, your second favorite team or probably your favorite team, Collingwood moves on from their coach, Nathan Buckley after 10 years, uh, 
how does it feel to lose two coaches in, in rapid succession that, that has been around the teams that you really like for over a decade? I, I'm, I'm starting to think it's me. Um, <laughs> uh, look, look, without going into uh, a massive explanation on Aussie rules football for, for, for the listeners who aren't familiar with it, it was a long time coming. Um, and uh, perhaps slight starts, it's, it's a bit of a relief knowing knowing where things were going so but we can talk about that later <laughs> all right well if you ever get the pleasure to have a beer with adrian i enjoy making him explain two things to me one is aussie rules football two is how they pay for college in australia which is drastically <laughs> different than the united states and i guess the third thing would be i have made everybody try to explain to me how cricket works so wait pay for do you guys pay for college yeah yeah we do don't rub it in we've right. been there so oh, okay. yeah so anyway Let's get into the press conference. Neil O'Shea gets up there on Monday. Uh, it's like a real close hostage type video. Uh, I don't know. I'm just projecting a little bit there. But he gets right into it, throws Terry Stotts directly under the bus, takes no ownership for anything that went wrong in, in the last season or in the last five years of this team as far as first-round exits go. Brian – Right off the bat, what stood out for you? What is, the, what is the one thing that really caught your attention first when you're revisiting some of those quotes? Um, you know, without naming one quote in particular, it's just his general tone and demeanor did not seem like a guy who's super confident. You know, he's extremely defensive, standoffish, pass the buck whenever possible. Um, I guess to name one quote, um, when he was opening the press conference talking about traits with coaches and one of the traits he hit on was um he wants this new coach to hold guys accountable on both ends of the floor which i thought was extremely rich coming from a guy who's talking about accountability as a leader and is sitting there just throwing everyone under the bus and not taking any responsibility for the construction of the roster playing any part whatsoever in, in the outcome of the season i i was mind blown yeah, I, you know, that's actually one of the quotes I kind of glossed over. But when you put it in that context that, you know, it is, it's some of the complaints we've always had about, you know, Damian Lillard, as far as it's hard to preach defense when your best player is not really a two-way player. And now you're asking, you know, the tip of the spear head of the organization to, you know, he's looking for these identifiable identifiable traits that he doesn't possess himself mm -hmm. at least in this instance so adrian what do you think about that or, or is there another or do you want to go ahead and jump right into the first thing that stood out for you um first of all i like to think of the new year Olshay end of season press conference as the find the hidden meeting slash i call bullshit exercise <laughs> um, every year so I've actually listened to it on multiple occasions. I won't get those two or three hours back, but um, uh, there are a few, a few moments where I called BS. Um, and I, look, I'm happy to kind of jump into a few of them and you've, you've already kind of mentioned a couple. Um, the first well, what, what one was, is, yeah, go, go with the one that stuck out for you real, right. Think about the first one you want to mention, but I, I do want to hit on something that's important here is you mentioned that, this is an annual event for all of us. Like we've seen this before. What I think is special about this one is there was a lot of attention on it. And I think part of that is that game five. I think the game five has everything to do with this because Damian Lillard flames out 
mm-hmm. or the, the Blazers flame out and, and Damian Lillard did everything possible. So all this focus is on the Blazers. And I've had people that have never messaged me about Neil O'Shea before from other markets, people I've met along the way going, oh my God, this guy is an asshole. And I'm going, yeah, this is nothing new for us, but like, I'm glad everybody else is seeing it now. Hey guys, this is Producer Perry, and I want to talk to you about an awesome app that we've been using here on the Church of White called Locker Room. It is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. You can talk to me, you can talk to Steve, Brian, lots of other insiders and athletes, including Andre Iguodala and Bam Adebayo. It is free to use on all iOS devices, including your iPhone, your iPad, and all things like that. Guys, it's been a blast being able to talk to all of you and communicate uh, in just a different way, a different avenue to, to get our points and perspectives across. So all you have to do is go to your iOS app store and download the Locker Room app for free. So, well, I mean, ahead, I mean I'm, I'm about to become a father for the first time, and I hope that my children would, would never act as belligerent as what he came across <laughs> on well, Tuesday my time, but Monday, Monday for you guys. The, the one thing, like the, the whole kind of not refusing to answer Aaron Fentress's question about, about trading Dame, but the, 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 one of the things that really kind of annoyed me was the discussion about the use of Nurkic press conference mm-hmm. and the, the comment, oh, you heard it, I didn't, when he clearly did hear it and he did then kind of pick apart what Nurkic said in his own mind. He subjectively kind of took what he thought from what Yusuf Nurk said, but initially saying, I didn't hear the, I didn't hear the comment. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I thought it was a bit disingenuous and and just yeah belligerent totally that was probably the one thing that kind of stood out for me initially no i think it's i mean (laughs) i hate to make this comparison and make this political but it's something that it's a very trump-like move where trump gets somebody on the on the like off their off their footing and it's like oh no that's fake news that's not a story and then they go in directly he goes in and describes the exact story and exactly what happened. And it's like, okay, obviously you heard this and you were just trying to put me off balance so you could gain time for your BS factory is basically what, what I'm gathering from that whole exchange. He even tossed out a, uh, you know, like you in the media, when talking about <laughs> yeah. potential trades is like, geez, dude, mm-hmm. come on. 
Well, and the whole thing with the media too is like he he gets so offended that like the media comes up with these narratives that are clearly happening, like how the roster has been constructed and the issues that go on. Yes, there every once in a while there's something off base or mm -hmm. trade speculation or something like that. But for Neil O'Shea to come out and get so upset when this is a, a guy who has one to two media availabilities a year, he runs a very tight media circle as far as who gets access. And then he, he, you know, he freaks out when, you know, they're not carrying his narrative or there's questions and he's basically questioning people for what they see when he's only coming to the media twice a year. And when they are, it's completely standoffish and it, it just, it drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. So do, do, do you also notice that he contradicts himself almost in the same breath? Um, mm -hmm. The one thing that, that got me was talking about the coaching, um, I guess the process of going through the coaching um, search now and saying we've got a lot of exciting candidates that we're looking at, but there's no list. There's no list. And yeah. then kind of saying, oh, but we're, we're going to be reaching out to people, but there's no list. I guess that Woj plucked those names out of thin air when, when Stotts was, um, was, for all intents and purposes, fired yeah. a week ago. And, you know, he mentions in this presser as well that they're already looking, constantly looking at trades and free agency. Terry Stotts has essentially been cooked as Portland's coach for a couple months, I think. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to tell me, you know, for the last couple of months, you haven't been at least maybe compiling a list, putting out some feelers. And I would think they'd have a list by now if they're truly, you know, going to, going to take a look at 20 to 25 coaches in this search. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's ludicrous for me to talk about, you know, they're making all these plans for the off season. He brings up, you know, we're going to approach the NBA draft combine, even though we don't have a pick, you know, we're going to be looking at, you know, potential opportunities to, to enhance the roster at, at those meetings. And as we move forward and it's like, you're not doing that without at least having some idea of who your candidates are and what the philosophy is going to be going forward. And, and you're going to want that input from your incoming coach as far as who you're going to target, but mm -hmm. we're going to have plenty of time to get into that. I think for me, the quote that that is just stuck with me is is the the Blazers finished 29th in defense, but it was not a product of the roster. And I feel like that is the most insane thing to say. Now, like, I think, yes, I don't think Terry Stotts, his hands are completely clean from some of the defensive shortcomings. But let's be very clear here. When Terry Stotts had Al Farouk Aminu, Maurice Harkless, Yusuf Nurkic healthy, or even before that when he had Wesley Matthews, Nick Batum, like Robin Lopez, when he has competent defenders, the Blazers play decent to good defense. So this whole idea that this is all Terry Stotts' fault is just ludicrous to me. And, you know, this is – it's like you're a chef. You're supposed to make a salmon dinner, and you're, the GM for your restaurant comes back with nothing but, like, farm-raised tilapia. And it's like, how, what, you, what the fuck am I supposed to be doing here? So I don't, I don't get it at all. Also, he moves the goalposts when he's talking about the rankings. So when he talks about Robert Covington and Norman Powell, he make, pulls these numbers out of thin air where he's like, oh, well, he's 21st in defense on off, and he's the best in off. Like, so the players he specifically targeted did good on defense. But everything else that he also assembled, he, has, he does take he, – that's not me, but he's going mean, to take I mean, credit Mello, for good. Mello and Kansa coming off the bench. Mm. <laughs> Starting the MVP. An mm -hmm. overtime playoff game. Yep. And I, I also liked how he uh, 
you know, talked about how they were trying to get better during the off season. And um, he discussed how they added Derek Jones Jr. And he oh. found that like it was a win. I was like, yeah. wait a second. You mean you're talking about the marquee acquisition of the off season who did not play in the playoffs or the last, you know, I don't know how many games it was towards the end of the year, but was really uninvolved in the stretch run of the year in the playoffs. And he, and he talked about it like it was a, like it was a W I was like, well, spinster yeah. alert. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it really is just like this, this very narrow hindsight lens that he uses when he looks back at certain things that he did. And, and really the, there's so much proof out there that, Yes, Terry Stotts has had some significant issues. There, there was some. This whole season was basically bungled from the start, as far as some of the changes they tried to do earlier in the season, and then abandoning it quickly. But I don't know. You just can't pin this all on Terry Stotts. That's like just insane to me. Adrian, where do you think? Where, where on the spectrum, if it was to be a percentage, what, what percentage would you lay blame on Neil O'Shea or Terry Stotts for the defensive performance this season? Uh-huh. That's a really good question. Um, look, my initial my initial reaction, but that's a really good question. My initial reaction is probably 65-35, being Neil, 35 being Terry. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, again, I might think about that question in five minutes and change my mind. Yeah. I think, it's a, I think it is a Rorschach test. Like, I think you, I think you can look at it and you can explain ways for each. And then I think also, like, I think it's a disservice to just say it's either Neil or Terry because there's obviously some player involvement here and some injuries. But, Brian, what, where, how would you break it up? What, where do you lay blame? I'm a little bit with Adrian on this one where it's, it is kind of tough, and I think my opinion might kind of shift a little bit depending on how recent it was when I listened to the old Shea Presser. But I would probably say – uh 60 40 with 60 being coaching mm-hmm. um i think you know just being a good defensive team is a culture and a mindset and i think that while stotts has had good defensive teams in the past i think a little bit his voice was just kind of lost um everyone loves to play offense defense is a little tougher to play i think that that's where coaching can really make a, a huge impact so i might tilt a little more towards coaching you know i, I do think stotts is a good coach has been discussed on this pod but I do think he did not have a good year and probably, you know, you never wish someone to lose their job, but I think they made the right choice as far as going a different direction. But again, you cannot blame it on one party or the other. It's certainly a, a mix. Okay. So I want to flip this on its head a little bit. Cause I think this is something that I certainly haven't done a lot of, and I don't, th- I haven't heard it discussed. Is there anything in that press conference that you believe that you believe is true? that you believe you can take to the bank or you believe that it is true in, in some philosophy. And I'll let, I'll give you insight on what I believe. I, I actually agree is I do believe Terry Stotts plateaued in the, in this position. I believe the roster has plateaued. Mm-hmm. I, I think that wasn't, I mean, yes, it was a line coming from Neil O'Shea, but I don't think it was too far off base. And, and I wouldn't be surprised. I know this was probably, this was probably far from a mutually agreed upon departure. I think Terry would Terry's not a dumb guy. He he knew this was coming. I do think they re, this roster reaches potential under Terry Stotts, and it's something that we've talked about on this podcast before. Where it's Damian Lillard has had one voice in the locker room his entire NBA career, for better or for worse. Some changeover here 
is going to add an element that could potentially be really good. It could potentially be really bad. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're the Blazers and your options are so limited, this is how you break out of that funk, right or wrong. And at least it'll get the ball rolling in a different direction. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. Um, I think it just kind of feeds into that. His voice was kind of starting to lose its weight in the locker room. And I think the on-court performance showed that. I, I actually picked up on in all the in all the kind of the bullshit as we discussed <laughs> previously. I, I actually noticed that he was he 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 uh, I guess uh, confessed that his job may have not, may have been on shaky ground previously, mm. and that that surprised me. I thought I don't think I don't think I'd meant I'd heard him talk about his own position in such a way before. Uh, I mean, it was only. It was only two words, but I thought it was quite telling. I I would assume it was probably a pretty tough sell to match Alan Crabb's contract one season and then trade him for Andrew Nicholson the next and then stretch that contract. I would imagine that was probably one of the toughest, you know, (laughs) things to negotiate with. I, I believe Paul was alive then. So it would have been, a, I imagine that was a very tough meeting. And I think if Neil was on shaky ground ever, I would assume it was right around when the seams were bursting on the summer of 2016. This might be an unpopular opinion, and I'm not trying to speak ill of the those who have passed, but I almost wonder if Paul didn't strong arm that one. You know, mm-hmm. I think he was heavily involved in team operations up until his passing and Neil's only been on his own for, has it been two or three seasons or so? I mean, Burt Cold is around. Yeah. Whoever the fuck that guy is, even though we always <laughs> we hear about him twice a year as being this mysterious, you know, figurehead mm-hmm. for Vulcan Entertainment, I believe. But, you know, I, I don't know if I'd fully attribute the summer of 2016 to Neil. I'm not a huge Neil fan, but I don't know if that was 100% his, his doing or not. Yeah, I think I think obviously Paul's really hands on and was really hands on, and I do see that there was probably some influence there as far as we we have to maintain these assets, we have to continue to build the roster forward, and if that was spending a bunch of money in those situations, I'm sure that played a part. Still, though, as the president of basketball operations, you have to be putting you have to come up with a contingency plan. If that is what your owner is going to be pushing for, like you need to come up with X, Y, and Z. You need to know your boss because you have to know that he's going to be pushing for these things and you need to have alternative options there because at the end of the day, it's not going to be Paul. That's going to be on the hook for this. It's not ownership. It's going to be you. It's going to be the person who's in that president of basketball operations chair. And it is your job to cover the franchise's ass, save the ownership from their best intentions, and and also put your best foot forward and protect your own best interest. Yeah, to distill it down, you really have to manage up too, right? And yep, I think yep. that was a if that's truly what happened, that was a failure on his part to manage up. So he still he still owns that. Um, look at the one thing that he said that I thought was true um, was less backward looking and more forward looking, and it was that. The new coach will have to improve the defense without <laughs> many changes to the roster because, frankly, Portland is in a position that they don't have a ton of flexibility, you know, um, not a ton of assets to really make these big changes. And so I think it was pretty telling that he was kind of like, yeah, you know, <laughs> there's good, the changes are going to be – or the, the improvements in defense are essentially going to have to be internal 
and that's a topic for this long off season, but the, yeah. the writing was definitely on the wall that we were not going to probably see, you know, just an enormous uh, turnover in the roster. Yeah. Ru- Rudy Gobert isn't walking through that door anytime soon. No, nor is Bam out of bio. So no, like, or Draymond as much as Dame would like it, but no, I don't, don't squash my dreams yet. I love that guy. So, Adrian, you got anything that anything else to add before we kind of move off of Olshay's presser? Is there anything else that really stuck out for you? I have one thing and it's me potentially reading between the lines too much. Oh, I love this. You, I love you, reading between the lines too much. So the section where he's talking about his his trade trade win. So he mentions Roko, he mentions Nurk, he mentions Powell, and then I go back to some other moves. He says, and I think he was about to say Aaron Aflalo, but I think he stopped short of saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's good. I that that you yeah. know. I don't know if that's actually what happened, but man, that would be great if that's the the mindset of where he was going with that. Yeah, um, it's probably my imagination getting away with me, but that's that's how I kind of pictured that. Hey, you, you watch I, you watch that thing two or three times, you know, your mind's gonna wander <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, you're you're in there watching the JFK films <laughs> <laughs> down you're, in Australia. You're Charlie with all the linkages yeah. going on on the back on the wall. and to yeah. the left, back and to the left. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. I will say before we, we move off this, the, the one really like open my window, scream outdoors thing, and it's totally a Steve Dewald thing to get pissed about, is when he brings up that the future in- improvements that this Blazer squad must make, they, they need to heavily invest in two-way contracts, developing players, mm-hmm. filling out their roster from the bottom. And I just, wanna, I just wanted to scream and, and, and I don't know. I wanted to roll around on broken glass. I don't know. It was terrible because this is a guy who carried a roster with only one two-way spot in a season where those guys could play unlimited games with the NBA team. This was a shorthanded roster for the majority of the season. Your only two-way contract player was Damian Lillard's cousin who, you know, say what you want, but he was basically out of basketball last year, came out of Montana State. You didn't use your second two-way slot until TJ Leaf uh, late in the season, really didn't play. And then you have an open roster spot that you carry. You actually do a two-for-one trade instead of a one-for-two trade. And then you finally reluctantly start using 10-day contracts on Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who probably could have been a useful player defensively for much longer than he was and for what his role was down the stretch. For him to act like that's something he's serious about doing and investing in the future, it's like too little, too late. You know, you failed the test this year. I don't really have faith in you actually improving in those avenues moving forward. And also, let's not forget that the Blazers are only one of two teams that do not have a G League affiliate, and they're soon to be the only one. And it's it's completely ridiculous. I'm really glad you brought that up. That was a crucial part of the of that presser. Where I was just kind of blown away by by that comment because his actions have not supported that statement. And that's one of those things where no matter how we feel about them, you can point to the, the data and say, listen, dude, that's not how you have managed this team. And this year in particular was an absolute just juxtaposition of what you just told us. And so I think you, I think you sum that up extremely well, Stu. Adrian, disagreements? What do you think about well, development? He also said trading into the second round in this year's draft. Why? Like, <laughs> why? 
Like well, if, if, if you're if you're in a, if you're in a win now, if you're in a win now mode, why use an asset? I mean, or, or a skerrick of an asset to get into the second round of this draft? I would say this to that. My counter would be is really if they're going to go back and re-sign, if they're going to sign Norm to his bird rights and you're going to retain CJ at least for a while moving forward, you're going to start playing a numbers game with roster spots and the hard cap. And at that point, the easiest way to kind of finagle your way under there is to get back in the second round, which is something that this team has done repeatedly. And usually you don't have to give up an asset to get back in. Once you get to a certain point, you can usually buy your way back in. But that that has changed in recent years with the, you know, the addition of the two-way contract where instead traditionally, you know, pick 45 on, teams that want in can get in. But now those those teams and organizations that utilize a G League affiliate, that utilize some of those development avenues better than the Blazers are focused on getting back in there. They've targeted guys that would be willing to sign a two-way deal right out of being drafted. So – It'll be interesting if they can get back in. I think they will just because it's a numbers game. And they, you know, this team loves to stockpile second-round picks. And really, they're, we're looking at potentially C.J. Ellaby knocking on the door of the bottom of the rotation this next year in, you know, a spot roll. It, depending on how this roster shakes out and where all that money rests in this roster. We might see Danny Diaz come across if they <laughs> <laughs> Deep cut, Danny Diaz. Big, big-time deep cut. Danny T-Rex. Yep. Small arms, torn ACLs. Story, <laughs> story of the European draft picks in like the last decade. So I'm ready to let Neil rest for a little while. I, I've definitely had my fill uh, of hitting on, on some of his hypocrisy in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. I want to move on to something else that kind of made waves. And, you know, we saw it aggregated a bunch across the internet. John Hollinger of The Athletic comes out and talks about C.J. McCollum and really more focuses on the avenues the Blazers have to improve this offseason. And obviously everybody, you know, if you're looking at that big, trying to land a big star, C.J. McCollum obviously is brought up in those conversations. He talks about how C.J. McCollum, his remaining three years, roughly $100 million left on his contract, is the majority of the league views that as a negative asset which is a huge bummer, but not really something that I think should catch anybody off guard. What did you make of that report? And do you buy into, do you think that's correct information? And do you also view CJ McCollum's value in that manner? Hey guys, this is producer Perry, and I want to talk to you about an awesome app that we've been using here on the Church of Roy called Locker Room. It is a live audio-only sports talk platform. You can talk to me, you can talk to Steve, Brian, lots of other insiders and athletes, including Andre Iguodala and Bam Adebayo. It is free to use on all iOS devices, including your iPhone, your iPad, and all things like that. Guys, it's been a blast being able to talk to all of you and communicate uh, in just a different way, a different avenue to, to get our points and perspectives across. So all you have to do is go to your iOS app store and download the Locker Room app for free. Well, I mean, you and I kind of touched on this on Blazers Edge yesterday. We did a we did a back and forth piece on where we think CJ kind of sits. I think I think Holland is not wrong. Um, I think if we'd had this discussion before CJ got hurt, it might have been a bit different. CJ was 
mm-hmm. probably heading for an all-star um, nod, if not very, very close. I think his play since his return has been up and down and the playoffs were just, wow, just mm. bad. Yeah. Um, I think if CJ is earning 15, 10, 15,000, that's a thousand, 10, 15 million dollars less a year, then he's definitely a plus, positive asset at that price. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure how much you get back. I think, and I think as we said yesterday, the Blazers are hoping that another franchise falls flat and feels they need to make a change. A decision the Blazers probably should have made two or three years ago mm. um, and kind of hope and kind of hope for the best in that regard. But I think it's going to be tricky. Um, I mean, they can trade him tomorrow. It's just what you want to get back for him. Yep, yep. So, Brian, what, what, what do you think? Uh, as far I think Adrian brings up, uh, you know, I agreed with him in the post yesterday. I think we finally, we found that middle ground on where his value is. Mm-hmm. Do you, I, I think for me personally, I think it's the Blazers either one were unwilling to trade CJ before this, or they were waiting for the perfect trade either way that it's put that really back them into a corner now where they're at. Where do, where do you see CJ's value and what are just real quickly? I mean, this is a subject we're obviously going to be touching on a lot. Sure. What is that? Is that a realistic evaluation of his value on the trade market? I think so. I think Hollinger said, you know, most of the league views him as a negative trade asset, and that's probably spot on. Um, mostly could be 16 teams, could be 24. I don't know exactly where that band is that he'd fall into, but he wouldn't make sense at that money for most teams, I would say, especially at his age. And he's kind of already shown that he's not a number two that can put you over the top. There's some serious issues with bringing him in from a, at that, at that salary. So again, I think the positive negative asset thing is it's really subjective and very Mm -hmm. situation oriented, but I don't disagree with him saying that most of the league views him as a negative one. Sure. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I think it's, you know, I think it was Hollinger that brought it up when he was talking about Norman Powell and what his, or it might've been Sam Amick. I can't remember. That, but they brought up the Norman Powell potential value as a free agent. And like the line for the New Yorkers, it only takes one asshole. And like, mm-hmm. really, it, it's only going to take one team overvaluing CJ McCollum to get a deal done. And, and my thing is, is I think it's very important to not view a CJ trade as a bilateral agreement. Like this is going to be a multi-team trade, I would say, for in order for Portland to recoup value and address depth if they don't do it with another trade, which is very important to bring up because that was another thing I thought was super interesting in that Hollinger article. He brought up some of these other ideas of smaller, smallisher moves that the Blazers can make. You know, they have full control of all their draft picks again after conveying the pick to Houston this year for the Robert Covington trade. One that he did bring up was he assumes that Derek Jones Jr. is going to re-up into his deal because let's face it Derek Jones Jr. probably not getting nine million dollars anywhere else Mm -hmm. he re-ups he becomes an expiring contract you package that with another asset whether that be a draft pick or a young player on the roster Nurk with the if team's really trying to shed shred shed salary you have Nurkic with the only a partially guaranteed deal as well so yeah yeah, I, I think we they should shred shot, shred salary at the seashore. <laughs> like that's a killer one. But anyway, I yeah, I think I think I haven't really thought about Derek Jones Jr. as a trade asset, obviously, for how the season ended. 
do you think a move like that in the $10 million, $20 million range, if it is packaged with Yusuf Nurkic, do you think that's enough to make an impact with this roster? Do you think there's a way to thread that needle, keep CJ around, and build a roster that way? Or is it too late to just keep making those fringe-type moves? Adrian, what do you think? I don't think – I mean, it also it obviously depends on the team, but you're not making – to get an impactful play, you're not making that deal without multiple first-round picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think that it's so funny because that, that Nurkic contract is is so good, mm-hmm. um, and I I would I would not be surprised if another team would be willing to to to, to take a chance on that. Um, but I mean, as we've all said in the past, he's probably the second most important player on this team. Mm-hmm. Might not be the second best, but the second most important. Yep. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be really easy to move Nurk. It's not gonna be easy to move move CJ as we've already discussed. But I think to get a to get a player uh, that we re- that that you really kind of need to make an impact and really make the most of Dane's prime, it's gonna be Nurk, DJ, and multiple picks. I think. Yeah, Brian, what what do you think? You... For me, I'm almost in the camp that you know I, I think it's gonna be very hard to get just to kind of touch on CJ again before we get into kind of a little smaller move. Um, It's going to be really hard to get as good a player as CJ, but could you get a slightly less talented player who's a better fit that lifts the ceiling of the roster, I think is a really good thought exercise. You know, if you're able to retain Norm, shift him down the two, I really think Portland needs to get longer, faster, bigger um, as a team. And so, just to backtrack, I don't really know if you accomplish that by doing a move around the margins like that, um, especially to just echo Adrian's point about Nurk being our second most important player. Does that trade really bring back a guy who's going to be the second most impl- important player on the team? If it doesn't, then I would probably lean no. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of where I fall. I think you can you can maybe find, like you said, a better fit. But I also think here's my opinion on it. And I think it'll be really telling on, on what the coaching hire is, because I think if the coach comes out and really mentions, you know, I want to work offense through the post and through the perimeter. I want to focus on rangy switchable defenders. I think that is, you know, code for, I'm going to try to re-engage Derek Jones Jr. I'm going to try to reach Nurk on this roster. If they come in and it's, you know, talking about, you know, making changes, everyone's got to prove their position and all this stuff that's probably the end of Derek Jones Jr. I would mm-hmm. assume. I, I just can't imagine him coming back. I, I mean, I can see him ringing up to into that contract, but I think he's definitely the piece that moves first, if not Nurk. There's also something kind of hidden in that article. And when you really start thinking about it, and I haven't really done it yet, with, with how Dame has acted, I wonder if he sees it on the horizon and Hollinger puts it out there in plain terms. I think if this was a more patient Blazers team that didn't flame out, I think there might be a window here where they would punt on this offseason and approach next year where the only people you have under contract potentially is CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, and you have a max cap slot to go after somebody or, or a close to a max cap slot to go after somebody. Obviously, Damian Lillard is removed, <laughs> I think, by his actions, that mm-hmm. ability to do that. I think the fans 
unrest has done has done that but i think there is a different reality where that was might have been the plan but it could be what Olshay is trying to sell too you know when he talks mm -hmm. about how the incoming coach is going to have to improve on defense without many changes to the roster maybe he's foreshadowing a little bit of, of that and it, and it won't be as active as an off season as we potentially thought yeah, I mean, when I when I read it, I like it was like a light that clicked on for me that it probably should have been on a long time ago. But I think it really is the first time that we've seen Damian Lillard, you know, really kind of set the stage for I will not tolerate a punted offseason where I think typically how Neil O'Shea has approached this in the past as far as the cycles go of this roster being built. I think this that was the plan, that it was to get through these two years, hopefully have a competitive team, and then, you know, you have one last push to bring a, a star in and say, hey, do you want to play with Damian Lillard in his prime and then yeah. bring him in here? I don't think that's an option now. Adrian, what do you think about the, the thought uh, of that cap and how the timelines may have shifted? And do you think that might have been Neil's long game here? It's a loaded one. Don't, don't <laughs> trust me. Yeah, um, I think I think the the I, look. I think I said, as I said before, I think the Blazers are, are going to have to kind of rely on a bit of luck here. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's just gonna. I don't think Olshay has two or three strings that he can pull, and this roster is competing for a title. Mm -hmm. um, kind of looking at it from a macro view. I I think it's going to rely on other teams possibly being in the same situation, possibly a disgruntled star, a disgruntled um, kind of all star, looking for another for an alternative publicly. Don't know how well it's going to work privately, but looking for it publicly, and it's like I mean, like Olshay said on on Monday, being opportunistic mm -hmm. and 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 kind of taking advantage of those things because I think the nature of the cap, the nature of the fact that CJ's owed so much money, they really are constrained by um by by Yeah, they just I I I guess when we talk about moving down the stretch run and teams have their future in their own hands, the Blazers don't have the future in their own hands. They are relying on other teams to to kind of drop the ball or kind of come out of left field. So I, I think, it, I mean, O'Shea, and it, look, it, it's a situation of his own making, so I, I don't feel sorry for him at all. But yeah, it, yep. it's not going to be easy. I agree yeah. in the fact that, you know, I think that punting on the offseason, they, they need something to happen this offseason. Punting on the offseason really isn't an option at this point with Dame's age. He's If he was in his late 20s, this is probably a different deal. But I think he's starting to kind of feel his basketball mortality a little bit a little more sense of I think the guy's always had a sense of urgency to win don't get me wrong mm. but maybe a little impending dread that he could spend his prime on a roster that isn't quite up to snuff to get him where he wants to go so I think that yeah while the idea of punting on an offseason sounds on paper great I I just don't think it's an actual possibility at this point with some of his comments and actions yeah I I think really I think the league's changed I, I think this was a viable path to roster building in the past. I, th I think we've seen the Blazers approach this. I mean, when, when the post LaMarcus era, they could have built a much different roster right after LaMarcus left, but there was a effort to conserve cap for that next season. 
I mean, that's five, six years ago now. And I feel like with, you know, the player empowerment era, I think the, the goalposts have changed. I, you already see Dallas, who is extremely focused on surrounding Luca with pieces already on this timeline, which, you know, mm-hmm. if you flop this with Dame's timeline, it's two very different outcomes. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think you can, you can do that in today's NBA. And also with Portland, it's been painfully clear that you can't bank on something good happening when you have a bunch of cap space. <laughs> I mean, it, it was an outright disaster in 2016. So... Wait, are you saying Evan Turner wasn't the greatest signing of that season? You know, I wanted Evan Turner to work so bad, but it just didn't. But we did get the pleasure of getting Evan Turner, the person, into our lives. But as a basketball player, not not quite up to that price tag. I I think that I think that basically kind of hollows out what what we wanted to cover with Hollinger. Now, my the thing I'm most excited to talk about is, you know, Mike D'Antoni. Name not going away. God damn it. <laughs> so, he again, he's linked. I believe it was NBC Sports uh, brings up that, you know, he is on the list. They, they have, the Nets have received requests for Mike D'Antoni. They will not – they will grant him full interview privileges once the season's over. Again, is, it, is there any – do you think there's any fire to all this smoke, Brian? And are you ready to, to go all in on Mike D'Antoni? Also, fun fact, did you realize Mike D'Antoni was on Mike Dunleavy's uh, staff back in the day? I did not know that. I did not know that either. That's a deep cut, Steve. Thank you for that. Yeah. I uh, do not think there's any fire here. Um, <laughs> I do not like this at all, <laughs> as I will continue to reiterate throughout the summer until – somebody's hired i think d'antoni I, I like the guy i think he'd look great in celtic green um <laughs> and, and you know this is coming off the heels of a press conference where olshay is talking about how much they need to improve internally defensively i don't think you go out and get old mda to shore up your defensive issues he's a better coach than stots i think he's kind of a stots on roids a lot of similarities yeah. there probably but that those are my two so you know where i'm at on this one I, I, Adrian, I want to get your, your opinion on this. Obviously, you know where I stand, you know where Brian stands on this. Can you break the tie here with Mike D'Antoni? Can I just say that I, I listened to you talk about D'Antoni last week or whenever it was, and I just, I just pissed myself laughing. So <laughs> um, no, I'm with Brian. Absolutely not. My man. Some bullshit. Look. I with your chances of fixing this defense are so like you could make even just the smallest improvement and you would come up there. Why not just go for broke, give Dame his MVP and put him in a D'Antoni system and just run the daylights out of teams like trade use of Nurkic. You don't need a center on a Mike D'Antoni team. Get another way. We, we got Rocco. Rocco can play center all year. We'll just Some roll men just want to see the world burn. I know. Some hey. men just want to watch the world burn. I'm just saying. I think it'd be really fun. I don't know if it. I don't know if it'd win a lot of titles, but I think it'd be I mean, really. Dave, enjoyable. Dave might win an MVP. Yeah, be an awesome 2K experience, I guess. See, that's what we're no, shooting for. Seven here. seconds for left. <laughs> no. All right. So, also along with the Mike D'Antoni rumors, one reoccurring theme that we are seeing in multiple outlets, whether it's ESPN, whether it's the Athletic, whether it's NBC Sports, Chauncey Billups 
really sounds like he is the the top pick on Neil O'Shea's non-existent list. I said there isn't a list, but don't yeah, get there it, isn't a list. Get, don't get it twisted. <laughs> there's 25 guys on it, but it really sounds like people who at least have a close tie to to Neil O'Shea are evaluating that situation, and, and really you got to look at who it's coming from. It's coming from Jason Quick, who's had a good relationship with Neil O'Shea, carried a lot of water for Neil O'Shea in the last year. You have. You know, Dwight James, I think, and NBC also kind of carrying some of that. And NBC Sports Northwest, which is now going to be defunct, which we'll get to that later, carrying a lot of water there. You see ESPN, obviously the top name for Wojnowski is Chauncey mm-hmm. Billups. So do you think – I guess, do you think the decision's already been made and do you think Chauncey Billups is that guy as we sit here today? Um, well, I just it's interesting because half an hour ago, uh, I think ESPN announced that Chauncey will be meeting with the Boston Celtics um, for their role. So, look, I, I actually listened to Mike Richmond yesterday and he seems to think that Billups is a foregone conclusion in Portland. A few other people have said that. If you haven't read it yet, go and read Dave Deckard's uh, managing editor of Blazers Edge's um, opinion piece on... Jason Kidd, although that seems a bit less relevant now. Um, but piece on 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 Billups and Kidd and their off court histories and uh, I, I mean I, I, and like Steve mentioned earlier or like last week, I wasn't aware of Billups's um, incident um, and that kind of changed the way I saw it. Um, clearly, Woj had a list and Billups was at the top of that list. Mm-hmm. So clearly, Olshay is interested, um, and his connection with the Clippers and whatnot. But mm-hmm. I hope I hope they do their due diligence. I hope they haven't already decided. Yeah, I hope. Yep. I mean, there are uh, there are so many other uh, options out there, reasonable options that surely they can they can kind of open that search a little bit. Um, He's been. Just in breaking, Rudy Gobert has just been announced defensive uh, defensive MVP. Ooh, so. news news on the show. So, like we didn't even have to cut back in this week. No, no, we didn't. As far as so, uh, Billups goes to me, I I think there's a reason that several outlets are kind of leading with him. I think that for any head coaching job in the league, he would be a top candidate. There's been a ton of kind of smoke coming off how hot of a candidate he is, right? And so if the Blazers weren't connected, I'd probably be, and this is off-court transgressions aside again, this is just perception of his availability for the position. I'd be surprised if the Blazers weren't associated with him in some way, shape, or form. Um, I do not think he's a foregone conclusion, though, for that position. I thought it was interesting, though, that Chris Haynes kind of walked back Dame's initial, um, I guess, declaration that he wanted kid and then included Billups in that list. And I wonder if that was something that would ownership sat down and said, Hey, you know, we're not taking kid. What about this guy type thing? I don't want to read too much into it because we, it's just really speculation, but to answer your question, Steve, I don't think he's the guy yet. I think he's in the running. Um, I'm sure they'll be bringing in multiple candidates, probably 20 or 25. If you listen to Neil's presser <laughs> to, to uh, figure this out. Yeah, I think there's a lot of smoke coming from the right places as far as reliability on on what Billups's standing is. That said, I don't know if if, if Boston's really knocking on the door. 
that's a super interesting situation for Chauncey Billups. Obviously, has a history with that franchise. I not a, not I, a real great one. No, <laughs> right? well, didn't he? Yeah. It, so Rick, Rick Pitino traded his ass this rookie year, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be maybe maybe because of that off off court indiscretion, maybe that had a factor in him being traded. Yeah, and, and we'll. That is something that we definitely want to get some different voices on our show and not, you know, three white dudes to to talk about that. And that's something we aim to do hopefully as early as next week. Um, The other names I do want to mention, there was a point why I aggregated it on Blazers edge is Jaron Collins is leaving the, the golden state warriors. I think he's an excellent candidate. He has been, he joins the Warriors staff right before they go on that meteoric run or rise for that run, you know, win all those titles. He serves under Steve Kerr has been around a lot of really great coaches has been praised for how he breaks down a defense to a very offense oriented team. I mean, Draymond green, Marquise, Chris are coming out and saying, you know, Collins is the guy who makes defense understandable. He's committed to the film room. He's committed to accountability on defense and if those aren't all words that fit in exactly for what the Blazers should be looking for and they claim that they're looking for, I think it's Jaron Collins. Also, it's kind of cool that he finished his career. His last basketball game was with the Blazers. Indeed. Granted, it was on a 10-day contract. But I, I think he's a super interesting candidate, he's someone I hadn't considered before. What, what are your guys' take on Jaron Collins? Yeah, I think he's kind of a dark horse. Um, He's not a guy that I would have that would have come to mind whatsoever. But you read a little more into his his coaching um, history in the last few years, and some of just the glowing praise that he's received from that Warriors team, and he to me became a really attractive candidate very quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, given what we heard from Neil on Monday, if can you picture Neil walking up to Damien and saying, "We've just hired Jaron Collins," and what does Dame? say to that mm-hmm. depends on if his boy draymond hyped him up or not <laughs> yeah yeah Dame exactly. loves draymond at least oh, yeah, from, those, from what you can tell right i mean yeah, those yeah. two guys I, I think are fond of each other so i mean if draymond's gonna sell anybody i mean i, I would assume he could sell damian lillard on jaron collins yeah. i just i just i just think while collins is probably a really good a, a really good option i think all shades wanting something a little more splashier um i could be wrong um, no, I don't disagree with you, Adrian. I think that's no, a really no, good point. You know, that they, I think I said that last week that I, I think that they were trying to hit that splashy hire. And, uh, you know, a lot of rookie head coaches in the NBA have struggled, you know, took stops a couple stops before he kind of f- finally found his footing. And Portland might not have time for that. Exactly. Another great point for Mike D'Antoni. I love it. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sell you on it. That's my goal. I mean, we're, I'm going to, have a celebration in the street if Mike D'Antoni is the next head coach of the Portland Trailblazers. A 12-pack and <laughs> a hour-long reel of Steve Nash highlights will not get me yep. on board with this hire. Steve, you won't be able to defend. Defend. <laughs> 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 All right. Let's wrap it up with, I think, the big news that kind of came out early this week. The, the Trailblazers – are moving on from NBC Sports Northwest, a channel that really came about because of the TV deal with the Trailblazers. Uh, it's a 14-year run. Our My heart personally goes out to the people I know that will be affected by this change in the TV deal. Hopefully they, they are all super talented individuals. 
I hope they, they land a spot quickly and hopefully it stays at root sports and we continue that coverage that we've come to love of this team. Um, that said, I think everybody, like I personally am a cord cutter and I am very worried about what this is going to look like as far as me potentially having to get back into the cable game or sat or satellite. So Brian, you kind of have front row seats to this in Denver. Yep. Can you explain to me a little bit about what, what the comparison is for, for what you, what you've seen since you've lived in Denver? Yeah. So there's a kind of a similar regional network and it's called altitude sports and it carries the Colorado avalanche carries the nuggets, uh, the rapids, and then the mammoth, which I believe is the, cross teamers i don't know I've, I've, never, I've never i've never watched but they're exclusive home to those four teams and it's one of those things where i think you have to have basically direct tv and there might be one cord cutting service that you have to pay premium for um, in order to get altitude sports so it's a kind of a huge source of anger really for the entire market because that the avalanche who have been a stanley cup contender until this year um, <laughs> you know, just not being able to watch local teams is a pain in the ass. I think the sports mm -hmm. bars like it because they get a lot of traffic because people have to come out to watch games because they just don't carry it at home. But it really, it, it, it sucks when you want to watch a game and it's such a narrow band of options. And so I'm not super familiar with the, the landscape in Portland anymore. I haven't been out mm -hmm. here for a few years, but I just hope that they're careful not to alienate fans because that's certainly done that in the Denver market with some of these teams. Adrian, how, do, how does TV work in Australia? I mean, you guys get basically free college, a bunch of cool stuff. Like just you got antenna. kangaroos. Like, yeah, do they just beam it into your house? You get everything you want for free. How does it work down there? There's a thing called Netflix. I don't know whether you've heard about it. <laughs> no. So uh, can I just say uh, as an Australian, the, the whole name root sports just makes me laugh. But um, go on. This is an unedited sports show. You can you can explain that. Let's hear it. Um, the, oh, how do I put this in a mildly mature way? To to root in Australia is to to um, say it. Born okay. Oh, nice. There you go. Um, so that's quite funny. Oh. As far as basketball goes, league league pass is um, is my best friend, and we get. I don't know whether it works the same in the States, but with League Pass, I can pick the the home broadcast, the away broadcast, and if it's a, a nationally broadcasted game, I can pick that one as well. So um, yeah. any game I want. So that, that that's great as far as basketball goes. We have we have kind of five main networks and they kind of multi-channel two or three channels. I mean, if you watch free-to-air TV, most, most of the time we're watching Netflix or Stan or, or ABC, which is the public broadcaster. Mm. Um, Basically, as as you cannot watch a Blazers home broadcast if there are small children in the room yeah. because of the Root Sports. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm tuning into Root Sports. What are you watching? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so. I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure it'll take me a couple of seasons to stop laughing, but I think kind of 2023, 24, I'll... It'll, it'll have lost its uh, its edge. But, yeah, no, it's um, it, it makes no difference to me because league, league Pass is brilliant and does everything. Yeah. My hearts go out to everyone affected by the change. Like you said, mm -hmm. Steve, hopefully everyone yeah. lands on their feet in a as good or better situation than they were. Mm -hmm. But I, I just really hope that they're able to make it as accessible as possible because that's the way you build generational fans is by 
the kiddos watching at a young age, just like Steve, I know you and I were like that. Yeah. And just growing up a Blazer fan is so crucial to that lifelong fandom. So I hope they take that into account, no matter what kind of financial, you know, come ups they're getting from this change. Yeah. I, I think the ideal situation obviously is for Root Sports to to find a a cord cutting service in this area, whether that be YouTube TV, Hulu, Hulu Live, Sling, one of the many of them to hopefully find a way to get that on there. Cause I believe they're available on like AT&T's cord cutting service, but I don't know what that price is. I don't even know if it's available where I'm at. I have not messed with it at all. So I actually, I actually have that. I'll just give you my password. <laughs> Off air, man. Oh, oh, sh- Come shit. on. We're still, we're, we're, we're still we recording. Com- we're completely <laughs> law abiding people on this show. I was, I was Surely Dame that was, that was with- a joke. It was a joke. <laughs> Surely Dame has an in with Hulu. Yeah. He's getting all that money. That was one of the first things I brought up. I was like, man, that Hulu live sponsorship is going to look real weird. It's like your spokesperson, you can't even watch his home market games on your service on the platform he's promoting. Like it's super, maybe, maybe Hulu and Root know something that we don't know about how bad Dame wants <laughs> out of here. I don't know. Oh, God. He said right. But <laughs> so basketball aside, this is a topic I've been wanting to pick your brain about, Adrian. It is a phenomenon I did not know existed until you were up here in Portland. You went to the restroom and you talked about no, how no, you no. Talk, you're talking about it. Get ready. About how our toilets are set up in a way to where Americans like to present our number twos to you so you can really look at it. And apparently that is not the case in Australia. Can you, can you how, how did this podcast descend into toilet humor? I was getting late. Uh, come on tell uh, so, t- give me the rundown look long story short your water levels are much higher in in, in your bowls than they are down here that's, that's leaving a little bit to the imagination yeah yeah well what are you telling me bud <laughs> <laughs> so you you explained to me basically it's like very intense whether it's a magnifying experience or or the you know it's just presented to you in a different way that you really get up close and personal with your shit in America. So I just, I just really want it. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> am I, am I hitting the nail on the head when I describe it that way? Sure. let sure. Absolutely. Oh, Adrian, <laughs> we got to loosen you up, bud. This is a like, serious podcast, Dave. Come on. Hey, we're at the end. This is where I talk about kimchi and all other types it's of kim- shit. It's kimchi know? time. Yep. So. It, it, look, it was an eye opener when we arrived on Christmas day, 2019, to see the uh, to see that rising water level, um, I love it. I love it. I'm looking forward to visiting Australia and delivering an equal critique uh, of your toilets. So, can we get can we get a live cross to 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 you on the throne? You know, don't tempt me. With, don't tempt me for, with a good time. Anyway. We're going to leave it at that. We'll let everybody get out of here mercifully. We appreciate everybody who stuck it out to the end of this very long podcast. We appreciate Adrian for stopping by. Adrian, tell people, tell our listeners where they can find you, uh, where they can follow you on Twitter and where your work's at. So I uh, am a contributor on Blazer's Edge working uh, under the the wonderful uh, associate editor that is Steve Dewell. So you can get me on Twitter on at at a Bernicich, that's A B E R N E C I C H, uh, and yeah, and I'll uh, and hopefully be putting together some some feature pieces over the off season talking about where the Blazers sit and 
uh, and how uh, how much bullshit can 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 come out of Neil O'Shea's mouth on, on any given day. So, um, Perfect. yeah, that's Perfect, Brian. You got anything for us as we head out of here? No, I just want to thank Adrian, man. Good talking with you, and appreciate your time. Good, Thanks good, for having good, me. Good, good addition to the pod, man. All right, everybody, you know what to do. We appreciate all your support. Please rate, review, follow us, subscribe, do all that good stuff. We do. I can't reiterate this enough. We feel the love. We appreciate all the messages we've we've received, all the support. That really means a lot to us, especially as we're getting this thing rolling. Again, thank you to Adrian for stopping by and, and stay tuned until we meet again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod, and be sure to check out our live show on Locker Room every Saturday bright and early at 8 a.m. Pacific.